Welcome to the Journal of the Southwest Radio Hour podcast, a production of the University of Arizona Southwest Center in the College of Social and Behavioral Sciences. I'm Jeff Bannister. I'm speaking today with Dr. Nicolás Pineda Pablos, a professor in El Colegio de Sonora in Hermosillo. Pineda has a doctorate in public policy and community planning from the University of Texas at Austin and wrote his dissertation on urban water policy in Mexico. Since that time, he has continued to focus mostly on water issues across Mexico, from the northern border states to the Yucatan Peninsula. He is indeed one of Mexico's foremost experts on urban water. Dr. Pineda has written numerous publications, several of which are the result of long-term collaborations with researchers at the University of Arizona. I've had the pleasure of knowing Nicolás since the early 2000s, when he spent part of a sabbatical year in Tucson. Several years later, I was hosted by the Colegio de Sonora in 2007 when I was working on my own dissertation research, which was partly focused on water in the Mayo Valley of southern Sonora. In this interview, I asked Dr. Pineda to reflect on the current state of water in Sonora's capital, Hermosillo, a desert city that, much like Tucson, is faced with profound challenges, not least of which are a swiftly warming and drying environment, ongoing drought, and the threat of ever more powerful storms. We hope you enjoy this episode of the JSW Radio Hour. Nicolas Pineda, welcome to Journal of the Southwest Radio. It's my pleasure, Jeff. Thank you very much for inviting me over. Yeah, my pleasure as well. So I have a a quick question um, that is very complex, (laughs) maybe not so quick uh, to start with which is that um, I'd like to ask you to give us a, a view of Sonora's water situation from, say, 30,000 feet in the air. Um, what do you see happening, uh, say, at the intersection of climate change and water politics uh, and the challenges of water supply? Let me provide, as a scholar, I would like to give a, a broad vision first. Mm-hmm. And uh, remind a few topics, especially for English-speaking people, that uh, I think that uh, have to be bared in mind, uh, bored in mind, about uh, h- how is water management in Mexico. Uh, first of all, in Mexico, uh, the water policy is federal, so it's an, it's managed by the federal government. So uh, it's a very centralized policy. Uh, there's no, in contrast to the U.S. or all, in many other countries uh, where uh, usually, wa- uh, or other federal countries where water is usually a state or local issue and local jurisdictions, in Mexico, w- uh, water management and water policy is centralized in, me- in, in the federal government. So it's managed uh, from Mexico City. Also, in Mexico, there's no private property of water. Practically, all of the uh, important bodies of water are considered by in the Mexican Constitution that they are national water. And uh, this means that they are managed by the federal government. So these go together. And uh, this this means uh, this way for more than a century already, actually, since the... Uh, 1917 constitution. Uh, so this was uh, established in the Article 27 of uh, of the Mexican Constitution, and the waters are national, and they are uh, managed by the federal government. 
Now, uh, coming more to our present moment, uh, let's say in this uh, second decade of the 21st century, in practical terms, uh, water is the water agency is called the, the Comisión Nacional del Agua, and we call it for short CONAGUA. CONAGUA was uh, subject, or the, the water management was subject to uh, many changes during the 1990s. Uh, and uh, let's say that it was a sector that uh, was very uh, subject of uh, many reforms in terms of uh, uh, that now are, are deemed as uh, neoliberal reforms. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some, in, in, uh, some uh, attempts to privatize some areas like uh, water, uh, urban water utilities. Uh, there were some decentralization to transfer water management of, uh, uh, of irrigation districts. Uh, and this was very important in South Sonora as well. Uh, well, all of Sonora, all of the agriculture in Sonora was put in, in the hands of the farmers and the, the, uh, the main actors of the agriculture. There was uh, an attempt as well to introduce integral water management in the 1990s. And there were some uh, legal reforms that were consolidated in another uh, reform in, in 2004 mm -hmm. to, to establish like integral water management uh, along uh, uh, watersheds. For this purpose, there were some uh, watershed councils created during that uh, time. Uh, the problem is that these, these watershed councils were not uh, empowered. They were just like advising bodies. They have no uh, real power or powers to actually manage. So we have these two elements that are apparent, uh, apparently contradictory, that in the deep shape of the policy, it's centralized and national, and it's top-down. And there were some efforts in the uh, late uh, 20th century to decentralize to introduce uh, public participation and, and private participation, as well as this the, the creation of uh, watershed councils. Uh, the problem is that uh, private participation in water utilities didn't advance very much. They were just uh, like five cases of cities in, in, in the whole country of Mexico that where water utilities were privatized. In Sonora, there was an attempt to, to privatize the the water utility of Navajoa, but uh, uh, later on it was uh, uh, taken back uh, by the municipality. Mm. An area that I, I am not very familiar with is the uh, the irrigation districts. I, I think they are operating, they have uh, persisted or, or endured so far. Uh, what I see uh, with the agriculture is that the Hido sector, the communal property area of agriculture has been very much being displaced uh, uh, like in a piecemeal way. So that's uh, what I would say the important aspect uh, of uh, the of change and reform in the agricultural area. Mm -hmm. And I just published a book as well uh, about how the watershed councils are doing. My conclusion was that at least in Sonora, there was a lot of simulation, uh, that there was public participation and I think they have uh, failed a lot uh, because the, there, there are no incentives for the people to participate in the, these watershed councils because uh, they, there's no real power. They, 
uh, actually they are completely uh, or fully controlled by the Conagua. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the policy uh, keeps on being uh, very much centralized and top down. That's more or less the situation of 2018 when we have a, a change of, uh, of the federal government when with the takeover of uh, uh, AMLO, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, the new president, who actually he's been attempting to remove all of neoliberal reforms and the ch uh, there was a change in policy. The problem with the water sector is that there hasn't been any, any reform and uh, mm -hmm. things keep on being the same. But uh, to my understanding, uh, it hasn't been very much the focus of attention in this government water. Actually, uh, the, but uh, there, there's been a very important cortes or, or cutoff of budget for the Conagua sector. Hmm. So uh, this is affecting the infrastructure of water. And, and there are many problems in that area because uh, there's no uh, much uh, private investment in, in the hydraulic infrastructure. And uh, there's no a clear policy uh, to uh, adapt to, to the climate change uh, that we we've been uh, uh, with uh, witnessing. That, uh, so there's a lot of hydraulic stress. Uh, at least in Sonora, we feel that with the level of dams, and uh, there's been certain crisis in Hermosillo in mostly in May or June, because apparently the, we wanna, uh, we're about in the city to run out of, from water because the, some of the dams are going down and, and the aquifer levels are also very, very low. And the, that's in general the, the situation of, of the water sector in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So despite attempts since the 1990s to... Um, you know, in quotes, decentralize uh, water control and to bring in public participation. There really hasn't been a, would, you're saying there really has not been a significant change in the, the fact of centralization of water control in Mexico. Uh, that's correct. Uh, uh, despite these efforts, I think the uh, water management and policy keeps on being very much a centralized and top-down issue. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's very much in the hands of the Conagua. The, uh, here in Sonora, the, the state government has not many legal powers uh, regarding water. But uh, despite that, uh, the state government participates in several uh, like key issues. Like, uh, uh, for instance, the state government built and uh, operates the Independencia Aqueduct. Mm -hmm. And uh, more recently, uh, there was built another uh, desalination plant in uh, near Empalme, in in a beach that is called the the Cochori Cochori Beach, and uh, uh, there's a desalination plant. Although I think it's not very important. The problems with uh, the Guaymas uh, uh, water supply system keeps on being being in the area of sanitation and. Uh, drainage and sewage and uh, there, there's a lot of problems in that uh, regard in in Guaymas mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the state government participates in in the with the uh, the management of the aqueduct independencia that brings water from uh, Rio Jaqui to the city of Hermosillo and also the uh, this desalination plant that provides water to 
uh, Guaymas and uh, and uh, Empalme. The other area that is important is uh, the municipalities, which uh, actually they are in charge of urban water, mm-hmm. or, or let's say the the water supply for communities. And the problem there is like twofold. Uh, on the one side, uh, the main problem with the water supply uh, in communities is uh, that the service is very much politicized. And uh, it dances uh, along the r- rhymes of the mayors and the municipal presidents. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, in Mexico, th- there's been very long a uh, problem that uh, local governments, uh, there's a very short turnover. Mm-hmm. They used to change every three years. And so you have a very... Uh, Commonly, there's there there's a change in the directors of water uh, utilities every three years, and th- this is managed in a very political way. Uh, directors tend to be uh, usually the cronies or, or the friends of the may the mayor, mm-hmm. and uh, they are managed more with the uh, nine elections and uh, on having additional resources for other purposes. And the, there's been uh, also a lot of uh, subtractions of money from the from the water utilities into other areas that are important for political careers, like uh, uh, perhaps elections and uh, things related to that that purpose. Uh-huh. And, and th- that's one of the main uh, problems at the at the local level, at the municipal level, with water management in communities. Uh, the other problem is that. Uh, Structurally, the municipalities are are very weak. Uh, They don't have uh, enough resources. They rely a lot on transfers uh, or grants in aid from the state and local government. And they they are not very much professionalized or they are not not run in a technical way. Uh, And so municipalities, uh, at this moment, I consider them, it's a failure that the water, uh, urban water management or community water management uh, is in the hands of the municipality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we either have to reform the municipality to make them more professional and more capable or able to uh, long-run planning or planning for the long run, because so far they are always short-sighted and managed in a, in a very political way. And uh, well, that's been um, one of the, my main areas of research and concern, uh, at least in the case of the city of, of Hermosillo in Sonora. No? I know that you've worked in uh, both in, in Hermosillo and uh, uh, you have published on um, water systems in different places in Mexico. So I know you have a very, uh, you're very sensitive to the kind of the global picture. Yes, I consider my uh, area of research like uh, urban water management in Mexico and uh, in a more broader way in the uh, developing countries, but um, mostly in Mexico. My PhD dissertation was about uh, a comparison of water management in the cities of uh, Mexicali, Hermosillo, Aguascalientes, and Cancun. Uh Uh, Two of them are private and the other two are managed uh, by by the local governments. Uh, So Mexicali and Hermosillo are public. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of my main areas. And uh, uh, there's been a small uh, steps forward because uh, 
is, uh, since the last governmental period, uh, mayors can uh, run for re-election, and that could change a little bit. Ah. But uh, to my understanding, uh, uh, what are public utilities? Uh, uh, they, they are still very much run uh, in a political way. That's uh, a very uh, clear, or we can watch that very clearly, how uh, the, the chairs or the directors of the uh, utilities are appointed because they are always like uh, people who uh, participated in the pol in the electoral campaigns or that are friends or close to the municipal presidents and they 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 stay in office for very short they are changed very frequently because if the mayor lasts uh, or stays in office for 3 years the directors usually stay shorter than that, usually two years at most, and they are replaced by somebody different. And uh, in many times, this is not made in, in a technical way. They appoint, uh, uh, like I said before, to cronies. Mm -hmm. uh, this was, for instance, in Hermosillo, in the last uh, three years period of local government, uh, there were three uh, directors of Agua de Hermosillo, or Hermosillo water. So during the pandemic, uh, uh, service was very much affected because uh, there was some populist decisions from my point of view because they they, they stopped uh, uh, charging for the service and uh, they were ma uh, making discounts which uh, didn't benefit the people uh, in a real way but uh, affected very hard to the utility because now it's completely broken and mm. it's completely out of uh, there's no money for some infrastructure the city is the city needs to build a, a system to distribute water uh, to the northern part of the city which is the the higher part because the, uh, the city is in a sort of a slope mm -hmm. and uh, there's no money and uh, for uh, doing that redistribution or uh, it wasn't it's called the aquaferic. It's a, mm -hmm. a, an internal aqueduct to bring or, or uh, take or transport water from uh, from the south when you get the the water from the aqueduct, the Independencia Aqueduct, and uh, to take it to the north of the city. And uh, so that uh, infrastructure work hasn't been money to, to make that investment, and the go local government hasn't got the support from other levels of government to do that. And that, wow. that's more or less uh, the, the, the situation for the communities and cities in, in, in water supply. That seems like an especially difficult problem in, um, in Sonora and in, in Hermosillo, given the, the incredible heat of the summer, um, the length of the dry period and of course you know being in a in a decades now two decades or more long so-called mega drought yeah uh, i can imagine that that is probably one of the worst possible outcome political outcomes to have yes you know having your water system basically it sounds like it it's basically been uh, driven into the ground are are there are citizens pushing back? Are there movements um, afoot to to change this, or what? what do, do you see pressures coming from different sectors on the political front? That's a very important topic for me, mm -hmm. <laughs> because actually I'm a part, and actually I coordinate a group of people who are like watchers or watchdogs 
for the uh, local water utility. Uh, we uh, we are part of a civil society organization that is called Hermosillo Como Vamos, mm. or Hermosillo How Are We Doing? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, within that uh, NGO, there are a number of, of areas or policy areas that are being washed. And uh, actually, I am a part of the the water group or the, wa the water uh, sector of Hermosillo Como Vamos, and we've been actually uh, pushing uh, to do some reforms. Uh, we were we tried to be influential of, of uh, that the last uh, director that was appointed be uh, to to be made in a technical way, and uh, uh, we're uh, trying to create more awareness of con and and conscience that uh, it's necessary to have a a long run planning and. Uh, there's no need or it's no good for the city or uh, the water service uh, to change directors so often. So we're trying to um, to influence uh, so as uh, appointments uh, are made in a technical way uh, and uh, they are not removed for political reasons, but for technical reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it's been very difficult because uh, to change the law is sometimes difficult if you're not... Uh, if you don't have the 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 governor on your side, mm -hmm. and uh, that's been a fight we're uh, we're pushing in the, uh, in this area, and uh, also we're trying to to get uh, better service. Uh, uh, so one of our fights is uh, to push for the uh, for the appointment of the director, and another is uh, uh, we are trying to uh, have a better measurement of uh, what we call. Um, Macromedicion, which is uh, to measure the water from the uh, that is extracted from wells, mm -hmm. and also also to uh, uh, raise the level of uh, of uh, meters at the houses and uh, and water outlet. Because so far most of the water is uh, estimated or is just uh, calculated in, in a not very precise way. Those are some of the areas that we are we are pushing forward. And also we're trying to get more investment in the hydraulic sector of the city as well. So I'm interested in that question that you were, or the matter that you were just telling us about um, in terms of you're, you're calling it uh, macro medicion or large scale um, water monitoring. Um, and you're saying that uh, there there really isn't very re so, uh, overall very reliable information um, in terms of the the water that's coming into the Hermosillo municipal system. Is that do I have that correct? And that you're trying you're pushing for um, a more much more accurate uh, measurement of all of that. Yes, uh, th there used to be a full measurement or full meter of the wells of the city. The city of Hermosillo is uh, supplied water by different kind of sources. Uh, the oldest one was the uh, dam that is uh, on the outskirts of the city, uh, but uh, the dam doesn't doesn't provide water any longer because another dam was built uh, up uh, higher up in the in in the river Sonora in the Rio Sonora, and uh, uh, there's another dam uh, called Molinito, and there's an aqueduct from there. So that's uh, surface water. And mm -hmm. the, the other source, uh, and perhaps the main important source of water is uh, 
there are a number of, of wells that uh, tap water from the uh, different aquifers. There are aquifers in, in the east side and on the west side of the city. I know there are about a little more than 100 wells, but actually uh, at the current moment, there are there is only operating about uh, 70, uh, 70 wells. And uh, I was just checking, uh, only 58 uh, wells uh, that provide water to the city have a meter, and the other, the supply of water is just... Uh, estimated and mm -hmm. uh, that's a, a source of uh, uncertainty because uh, you don't know for sure it's estimated because of the kind of uh, pump they uh, they've got of uh, because of the amount of uh, energy they are uh, using but uh, while the, in some other times there used to be a full meter or full metering of the water and so we have we understand that uh, if we don't meter or we don't measure the amount of water, it's more difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. So it's a key principle of manage management. You have to uh, have a very reliable measurement of, of water. That's uh, uh, at the scale of the production area. That's uh, from the wells. And uh, we're pushing to have uh, more reliable information as well on the on the other end uh, when the, the water the water is... Uh, delivered to the outlets or to the households and buildings and whatever else because on that other end there have been in the past they got up to 80 or 85 percent metering of the of the water outlets but at the moment they've been losing ground and there's been less and less metering so we we uh, the the service has been moving backwards in this area, and at the moment I think the uh, the percentage of uh, of households or or uh, water customers that are being metered is uh, about forty six percent, when the, we used to have uh, almost the double of that, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, so th that's that's one area of concern. The other area of concern is that the, there's a number of uh, customers of or water outlets that the, they don't don't pay water and it's very difficult to make them uh, uh, they are like uh, uh, unaccounted water supply and uh, uh, so the, they they are like free riders mm -hmm. there's a, a big problem of free riders as well and uh, there's a lot of uh, revenue that the utility does is not able to to actually make effective, and that's another area of concern for the water utility at the city as well. So the the the, the problem of the free riders, um, as you put it here, um, that I'm sure that's a political question. How 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 do these entities become free riders, or how is it that they have these so, so you know these kind of sweetheart deals that allow them to keep um, using water without paying for it? Uh, yes, that's a very interesting and important question. At least for me, it's been uh, one of my areas of concern. Mm -hmm. uh, legally, the utility is able to cut off the service to uh, free riders, to people who don't don't pay the, their bills, mm -hmm. and uh, they do that, and they do that uh, to a certain amount. Uh, the problem is that many of these uh, people who don't pay the water, they connect some other way. Or they hire a plumber and they reconnect themselves to uh, to the water system, and and so they stay that way. And uh, 
you could think that these are low income people, but uh, many uh, higher income people do that as well. Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the problems is that uh, you have to raise the awareness of people and the what we uh, what they call the water culture as uh, not doing that. That's not a, a good citizenship, mm-hmm. and you're you're uh, may, uh, making damage of damaging the 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 water system of, of the city, and that water is a very uh, strategic and key uh, area for the sustainability of the city. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, but uh, that, that's a uh, that's a big problem, uh, financial problem of the of the of the utility as well. That uh, uh, many people don't. Uh, let's say I don't know what would be the percentage, but supposedly the what we call the the commercial efficiency from the revenues uh, from the bills they issue uh, the amount of uh, they they, uh, they try to charge they they collect only 85% of the uh, of the water billing Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the problem is that uh, there's an area that keeps on uh, accumulating the debt, and they never uh, update or they never pay pay their their bill. So the, the this this is an accountant uh, uh, issue, and uh, so uh, the utility has many people who own them money or, or de- debt debtors or to mm-hmm. the utility. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a big uh, millionaire uh, amount of money that the users have a, a big debt to the uh, utility. And mm-hmm. so that, that, that's one of the problems. And uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, as far as we know, and this, this is very important for the environment. Uh, this, uh, I don't know how this compares with the uh, uh, U.S. cities, but the amount of uh, water produced for the city is too large. Our indicator for this amount of of water is uh, how much water per inhabitant is produced or introduced to the system. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, our uh, indicator, I don't have the uh, in in American, in US uh, units, but it's uh, uh, the last uh, uh, indicator I have for last year for the for 2021 and 22 is that the city consumes uh, uh, 420 uh, liters per inhabitant per day. Okay. So uh, uh, this is 420 liters per inhabitant per day. When we uh, uh, we think that uh, the consumption or the water consumption per inhabitant should be uh, no more than 200. That that's it. Uh, no more than the than ha- than half of that. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, so uh, the other problem is that this is this doesn't mean that the inhabitants uh, consume a lot of water or have a lot of gardens. Uh, actually, uh, I think uh, that households uh, use uh, just enough water for them. Uh, there are no big gardens or lawns in the houses, mm-hmm. in, in most of the houses, and they are not like uh, uh, big users of water. Uh, the problem is that uh, the unaccounted for water that uh, a large amount of water is lost on the way on on the on the pipe network uh, that supplies the city and there are some clandestine uh, uh, outlets uh, and uh, uh, in addition to the people who don't pay and people who who have no meters and perhaps uh, 
use more more water than than they are charged for mm-hmm. and the, that that's the other big issue the, what we call the the physical efficiency uh, because it, it's it's also very low it's actually less than 50% as well that uh, well as i mentioned before it's only 46% of the water gets to the households or to the uh, customers and the, more than 50% of water is lost on the way so when you so there di- um, you're saying there are different ways that that, that water that f- more than 50% gets out one is the the problem of um I guess you would say uh, tomas clandestinas or illegal taps into the water system. Yes, uh-huh. well, that, that's part of the problem. But the other part is that the accounting system is not very reliable. Ah, okay, the accounting system uh, itself. And, uh, uh, also, I don't know. Uh, well, uh, that's something that I'm trying to uh, to get more knowledge of at the moment. Uh, there are many which are called uh, death taps. Uh, the 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 utility called them dead taps, uh, which are like are for parks, for uh, public institutions like hospitals, schools, mm. uh, churches, and they they don't charge that water, and they, they don't meter either. Uh, so we have to we we're trying to get the system more reliable, and they they should meter that those what are called dead taps. Uh, for instance, in the neighborhood where I live, there's a, a small park there. And the, there's a hose uh, attached to a, a tap there that is uh, open uh, uh, and irrigating the park 24 hours a day. Wow. And so that, that, that's tapping a lot of water. Uh, to make the point, the, the, the point is that uh, the city is, is uh, extracting and tapping too much water from the environment, and uh, we should be more, more efficient in, in Hermosillo. And this happens in, in, in many other cities, but However, there are a few cities in Mexico which are much more efficient. Some of them are in Baja California, like Tijuana and Mexicali, mm. who have a, a much more levels of, of physical efficiency and they don't lose as much water. Also, Monterrey, Saltillo, Querétaro, León are, are, are cities with a very good performance. They don't lose as much water. But uh, we think that Hermosillo should be a model city for this because of the environment. We don't have as much water as, as other cities. And, and we're trying to uh, prevent uh, not happening what happened the, last year, the 2022 in, in Monterrey, when they, uh, they run out of water for, I don't know, uh, two or three weeks. I, I don't remember how much. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, there wasn't an, enough water to feed the city and uh, and uh, it was a big problem and a big news here, at least here in Mexico and uh, Hermosillo is close to uh, get to that, that situation and so we're trying to prevent that being uh, more efficient and lose less water in the pipe network of the city mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's one of our, our fights and th- this is being done from this uh, association civil or uh, NGO called Hermosillo Como Vamos, and uh, we frequently participate in in noticieros or in radio forecasts of news and and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do so you have? Uh, I don't know how uh, this amount that I told you that more than four hundred liters per day per inhabitant mm-hmm. or per person. 
I don't know how it compares uh, uh, with the US, but uh, we're trying to uh, work on that. And uh, let me mention before we run out of time, uh, that one of the areas that I see very important for uh, this city, uh, an area of uh, progress would be sanitation and reuse of treated wastewaters. Mm -hmm. Hermosillo didn't have a, a wastewater treatment plant until the 2016. A new, a new big, large plant was uh, built and, and started to operate on the 2016. Uh, supposedly, it has the capacity to uh, treat all of the water, uh, the city water, all of the city wastewater. Uh, although it's been running some problems because apparently the the plant wasn't designed properly for the city. One of the problems is that this plant is getting too much uh, sand, mostly in the when it rains, and uh, so that blocks the system. And then there's uh, things yeah. like that. Another problem is that the plant uh, has a temperature requirement with the uh, input water, and uh, uh, that temperature is not being fulfilled uh, adequate, so the plant is not working exactly as it should be. That's a problem that has been faced with the with the wastewater treatment plant. What we think is very important for the city as well is reusing this uh, treated wastewater. Uh, and we need to have more park and more uh, green areas and more green infrastructure. And also, I think the future of Hermosillo is in recharging uh, the aquifer with, with the treated water. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, that's... Uh, perhaps in the uh, in the future for Hermosillo, although uh, we have to overcome these uh, hurdles of uh, politicized service and the problems with efficiency, the problem with the free riders and people who don't pay the service. Uh, so the, the sustainability of the city requires that uh, we reuse uh, as much water as possible. So far, the city is consuming uh, let's say 130 million cubic meters per year. And the wastewater treatment plant is treating uh, 70 million uh, cubic meters per year. So uh, there's a huge amount of water treated and uh, that's not being uh, taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, taken advantage for some mequidos who used to grow fodder and uh, very low income crops. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I think that water should be used as well for for parks and uh, green areas in the city, and uh, uh, perhaps to have a to promote or or have a factories or industry that uses that treated wastewater. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a that could be a key area for the city to develop because so far there are no more sources uh, of uh, or fountains of water for the city. Mm -hmm. in the future so the the future should be in uh, in reusing the uh, the wastewater the treated wastewater i know in hermosillo one of the main uh water sources is the um independence uh, aqueduct that brings water in from the Yaki River Basin. Um, and I, I know that you and your colleagues watched that process several years ago happening, and um, now that system has been up and running. But I, I'm I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit about 
all of that um, for our listeners so people know and understand how deeply politicized water can be because I think that process was a very good example of that, which was probably what, uh, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit less? Yeah, well, the, the aqueduct started to operate in, in 2014. Uh, I think in April 2014, it's, a, it's a been working or it's been supplying water to the city for nine years already. Almost in nine years, a little le less than that, because it started in in 2014. Uh, it was a big uh, political conflict in the state because it brought to conflict the thousands of the state, mostly farmers of uh, the Jackie Valley in the uh, in Ciudad Obregón and and the Jackie Valley uh, with uh, the city of Hermosillo. It's a conflict that's still alive nowadays, and they still oppose this aqueduct, although so far apparently it's been working for nine years already, and it's been, it became a, a, an important source of water for the city. It came as a blessing because in that same year, the aqueduct started in April 14, and in that same year there was a big catastrophe in the Sonora River, and an environmental catastrophe because uh, the Sonora River was contaminated by uh, toxic uh, uh, spillovers of the Cananea mining in north of the state. Mm -hmm. it, it happened in, in August uh, of 2014, and uh, there there was a big conflict as well with the with the Sonora River. So as you can see, uh, there, there are many threats for from many fronts. In those years, the Hermosillo stopped using the, son the water from the Sonora River that was uh, in the Molinito Dam. It stopped using it for two or three years, and uh, the main source was then the aqueduct, and uh, I think that helped uh, the farmers of the uh, South Sonora to ease uh, or, or soften their, their, their opposition, and so the Aqueduct uh, apparently uh, get a little more established, although the the conflict is still there behind. Um, so far, the aqueduct provides uh, 30 million uh, cubic meters per year to the city, and the, the city consumes about 130 million. So it's uh, that, that proportion of, of water. Let me tell you that uh, the agreement was that the aqueduct was going to use only half of it, uh, the capacity of the aqueduct to provide that water to the city is uh, 70 million cubic meters per year. But the agreement, uh, it was a political agreement uh, to provide to the city uh, 30 uh, million meters. One of the problems with the uh, uh, strategy of the aqueduct is that the city could easily reduce their consumption because of the loss of water, what we call the accounted for water, and because also of that, uh, there's no uh, good efficiency for physical and, and commercial pure poses. And we we'll get to improve that those efficiencies. The city could be uh, uh, could uh, keep on growing without actually increasing the the water supply for the city. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what actually has happened in the last years. Because uh, in some other years, uh, the city got to, uh, well, in some times, there, there were much better indicator of this. Uh, what happens is, is that uh, there was a subtle release of the 
of the uh, of, of the purposes. I think the the pandemic contributed to that, and also was uh, because there were people or directors or or direct the utility wasn't managed uh, by professional directors and uh, they they didn't pay much attention to these issues. Mm-hmm. So and we're trying to go back to a more technical and environmentally uh, worried or aware uh, mm-hmm. management of the city. And so those are one some of the uh, fights or struggles we're we're trying to put forward and. Uh, so we're fighting for more efficiency in the water use, and we're also for water reuse of the wastewater treated. And uh, and uh, in the future, perhaps we could get into more uh, rain harvesting and uh, to have a, a better uh, use of uh, of rains as well in the city. Because at the moment, it's uh, all of the runoff water is uh, removed to the city and. Uh, uh, so we have to promote more green infrastructure, rain harvesting uh, within households, mm-hmm. within neighborhoods, within uh, big uh, buildings or, or uh, malls or whatever. And uh, uh, most of all, for the whole of the city, we have to to get into that. So as as the city to keep on uh, being sustainable or, or to sustain the city, no, it's not mm-hmm. sustainable at the moment. Right. Uh, and, and more or less, that, that's the overall panorama of the of the city mm-hmm. water management. And uh, just one more quick follow up question about the politics of that. So, in different um, works that I've read, investigations over the years on the matter of uh, different matters of water politics, I know that a lot of uh, political scientists have argued that um, oftentimes for public figures you know it doesn't really they're, they're less interested in doing projects that that work towards sustainability and some of the smaller scale things that allow cities to become more efficient and instead they opt for the big um infrastructure projects because they're very visible politically you know it just it just it's it provides a lot more visibility for uh, for politicians so my final question here is with the independence aqueduct it was uh, Guillermo Padres was the governor at the time. And I do remember a lot of people saying, well, this very thing that you're saying, Hermosillo could probably do fine by uh, developing a much more focused strategy on conservation and other measures. Um, and so given that, why do you think that that Padres uh, chose to go the more political route? Because it seemed like it would be very, to me, it would be very obvious that you would have a big problem with the farmers in the Yaqui Valley. Uh, by creating that canal system. So, what what are what are your thoughts on that? I I can't agree with you more uh, that the politicians very frequently opt uh, for more uh, visible infrastructure uh, that could carry on their names, and they uh, they are opened with a bronze plaque with their names and the year of inauguration, and uh, so the, I think. Uh, there's more incentives for politicians to build infrastructure than than to improve uh, uh, management. At, at least for water, that that's very clear and it's very uh, w- well well seen in Hermosillo. Padres got to this after a period of crisis uh, of water in Hermosillo, 
I see. Uh, I think Hermosillo ran out of water uh, in the late uh, 1990s. In 1998, uh, the city of Hermosillo, uh, well, uh, up to that year, the city had a 24-hour service, which is not uh, the the rule in all of Mexican cities. There are ma- many Mexican cities who don't have uh, 24-hour services. But Hermosillo had always had uh, uh, 24-hour and seven days a week uh, service. And uh, uh, But in 1998, we started, uh, well, the, the utility started what was called the, the tandeos, or this sort of rationing water that you would have water, ju- running water just a few hours of the day. It was like uh, 12 hours or 16 hours and even eight hours a a day would you uh, have uh, running waters, and uh, that that was a big problem at the time, and uh, it had many other uh, like a spillover in other problems. Uh, well, the, uh, there was a big promotion for for house houses to have a tank on the rooftop and uh, what we call tinacos, mm-hmm. and tandeos uh, uh, also damaged uh, a lot uh, the the pipes the 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 pipe network because. If you run water for uh, some time and you empty them for some other time, that uh, uh, damages the, the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, Padres, uh, well, let me go to another chapter of this. The first uh, solution that was tried for this problem of the city, that apparently the city of Hermosillo run out of water and had to resort to rationing, the first solution was to build a, a desalination plant in Kino Bay, mm-hmm. in Bahia Kino. Uh, this uh, was offered by Gover- Governor uh, Lopez Nogales in the years 2000 and 2001. Uh, but uh, there was a big opposition to that plant, and, and I think it wasn't a very sensible p- project either. But uh, as 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 we say, and you, you just mentioned it, for politicians, it's more at- attractive to build the uh, infrastructure works uh, than 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 improve management, and and so uh, this governor, it was on the uh, on the uh, state initiative, undertook the the actual construction. Well, uh, it uh, there was a bid and and the the work was bid, but the since. Uh, in those days or those in that year the service uh, the, the water service was provided by the state government but the municipality was against that desalination plant and the 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 current may the then mayor uh, prevented that the desalination plant was built uh, requesting legally by constitutional right that the the water service should be provided by the municipality and so that way prevented that the desalination plant was built. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Hermosillo uh, stayed with the same problem and uh, uh, with with no desalting plant uh, in the first decade of the 2000s. Since uh, this problem was aggravating, Padres, I think Padres started uh, his government in 2009. He uh, decided to transcend and, and to solve for sure or or once and for all the problem the water problem for the for the capital city of Hermosillo and so he undertook the the building of, Esa, of an aqueduct and he was ready to pay the price and uh, get into history as the the builder of the aqueduct and uh, actually many people think that it is one of the, uh, his main feats uh, 
or fits, uh, and uh, in in certain way he solved the problem. Although it's not a very environmental friendly work, or 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 he said it is water from another basin, which is not is not a very commendable way to do that. That's why we're always uh, we as uh, citizens, as scholars, or or this group of people, we're trying to press for for a better management so the, we think that the problem uh, of the city is more in man into management is not in in big infrastructure works mm-hmm. and uh, so that uh, that's the uh, how the aqueduct came to be built and uh, is now is still now it's operating mm-hmm very interesting. Uh, Nicolas, we're at about an hour. I don't know if, do you have any, uh, anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any, any final thoughts here? Well, uh, there are still a number of issues that we're trying to push forward uh, with the climate change and adaptation. Uh, I think to make this city sustainable and uh, and to actually have a future and to be able, I, I am not so sure it, it should be keep on growing. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, population growth is uh, diminishing. Uh, at least the rates are lower now, and uh, but uh, anyway, uh, growth is not possible to stop uh, 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 sharply or or very shortly. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, for the future of Hermosillo, I see that we have to increase reuse uh, of uh, wastewater treated wastewater. We have to have a more environmental. Uh, infrastructure in the city, like a green infrastructure. Hermosillo has also a big problem with uh, uh, what we call uh, uh, drainage pluvial, or runoff water in the city, because when it rains, it doesn't rain very much, but when it rains, most of the rain uh, runoff on on the streets, and that destroys the pavement of the the streets. And uh, so we're having problems with a lot of batches and holes potholes in the in the pavement mm-hmm. and uh, so we have to remake the city in the future so as to be more environmental friendly to have more green green infrastructure to have more green areas and parks uh, being irrigated with the uh, rainwater and that that could make uh, our city more sustainable and uh, I would like to leave that uh, that idea for uh, for uh, whoever th- is interested in in either in this city or other similar cities. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. That's a very uh, that's an excellent thought to to leave with. I, I think uh, most of our listeners to this podcast will be able to relate to many of the things you're talking about. Um, th- those who live on this side of the of the U.S. Mexico border are experiencing these issues in Tucson and Phoenix, and I know that you follow the news on the Colorado River as well. Uh, yes. so there's, uh, there's much to, uh, there's a lot of, um, um, all of, you know, many of these issues are just very uh, interrelated. So I really appreciate you being able to inform us about what's happening in, uh, in Sonora. And I, and I, I thank you so much for your time today, Nicolas. This has been a really enlightening conversation. I, I, I appreciate you joining us today. It's been my pleasure. Uh, I hope for my English is understood. Oh, it's great.